0: Welcome to Mind the Gape. Welcome back to Mind the Gape, everyone. It's your girls Jeep and Reese, and we're here to talk about numb thoughtery. Basically,
1: Jeep and I think a lot about. We don't think a lot about it, but we want to talk about riding planes, trains, cars, and
0: cock. Baby, we don't think at all. Just vibes. (laughs) Now we want to start off with why can't the gays drive?
1: It's, uh, well, we all know, right? Like we all know that this is a fact. We all know the effect. We don't really necessarily know the cause. Um, I personally think this is like one of those moments where you're like, Freud, wish you could be here. Like, R.I.P. Freud, you would have loved the fact that gays can't drive because it's all about their anxieties related to their father and by everyone I meet mean, at least me. Like, when my dad would teach me how to drive, like, he was so short-fused because, like, my dad bought me – I had made some passing comment at 14 years old about, like, wanting to drive a stick shift for the sake of, like – At 14, I was very, like, erudite in the sense of, like, Knowing something for the sake of knowing it is mm-hmm. in and of itself like useful. Mm-hmm. Which, granted, knowing how to drive stick has actually proved immensely useful in my life, but like this was just sort of like this You can drive
0: stick. I can drive stick. That's why he tops. That's why
1: he tops. The only reason why. <laughs> tops drive stick. Tops do drive stick. There is not a bottom in the. W- if you are a bottom who drives stick, I want you in the comments. You're getting interviewed. I really tried learning how to
0: drive stick. <laughs> it's, I really tried. No, so there
1: is like, especially when you're young and you're a faggot, there's a really steep learning curve um and so anyway i made this like passing comment as a 14 year old about wanting to know how to drive stick and lo and behold my dad for my 15th birthday got me a stick shift car so that i could spend the year learning how to drive it before i got my lesson i was a very lucky kid it was a honda s2000 look it up it was sexy as fuck um i cannot relate it was a two-seater convertible sports car i was whipping that thing 140 miles an hour down like Highway 19. Like. Okay,
0: yeah. My family's broke ass couldn't <laughs> afford to give me a car, so I borrowed my sister's car and the fan. I took my road test and the family's suburban. You want to talk about being a top? <laughs> Try parallel parking a suburban, okay? It's not easy. Um, That's definitely something bottoms do. What? <laughs> 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 what? Parallel parking a suburban? Have you seen a suburban?
1: Of course I have. It's not. Uh, uh,
0: uh, okay. <laughs> I have only been. Bad,
1: bottoms got to be more aware of the back. Come
0: on. <laughs> Any- it's like it's. I don't want to disagree with that because, like, I guess that's true. But at the same it's time, a logical fuck leap. you.
1: It's a logical leap.
0: I bet my listeners will totally agree with this. Suburban. <laughs> a suburban is a quote unquote. Quote unquote. Who am I quoting? Manly car. No, it
1: isn't. I'm sorry. That's like what mothers drive their kids to school and It is A literally the epitome of like d- feminine domesticity. Like, who come are, on.
0: I'm sorry. Who are we, these two fags, debating the gender politics of cars? I think we're reasonably qualified to do this. In what world do you think we're <laughs> qualified to do this? I know My I'm not. World.
1: Okay. Anyway, the point of all of this was to say, Gage driving is a Freudian nightmare because when my father bought me this car, obviously he was the one who was going to teach me how to drive it. And it was just like knockdown, down, drag out blow, out, blow out fight after blow out fight with him. Like me, just like driving around the little cul-de-sac in my neighborhood like sobbing hysterically like stalling out repeatedly my dad just being like why can't you shift off the fucking clutch like okay he wasn't that bad but point being I do actually think a lot of queer people probably have some sort of experience with their parents disproportionately their fathers where they're learning to drive and it makes them really anxious because it's a manifestation of all sorts of other tensions in their relationships and I'm totally projecting onto everyone
0: see on the flip side (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to my memory, which is, as Breeze knows, incredibly shitty, <laughs> to my memory, learning how to drive was really simple. I never really had any problems. I never got into any arguments. Everyone in my family took a whack at teaching me how to drive, mostly my dad. Mostly my dad taught me how to drive. I should have prefaced all of this by saying, I am a horrible driver okay all right <laughs> I have a lot of people who are going to listen to this who may disagree but I'm a fine driver I'm fine I ha- see I can't say that even though like I
1: low okay, think I'm fine because I know my friends will be raging in the comments so no I'm a bad driver
0: no you're not fine I have been in the car with you exactly it is like exactly hell. it is like hell in Miami being I, my anxiety <laughs> as a as a as a bipolar person insane with you behind the wheel regardless back at the ranch back to me um driving for me was never that big of a deal I guess
1: like in terms of like your liberty and independence and cetera like the sort of like narrative of like I need to drive to have this the only thing was like I
0: think you had raging anxiety I had the opposite I had un. Bound confidence for no reason. <laughs> I would be that little faggot blasting Marina and the Diamonds, going to school with my sunglasses on, going to Starbucks, like going to the drama club. Don't like, get me I wrong. I really love that That fantasy. was me the minute I got my license, but every day prior. like I mm-hmm. have never, knock on wood, been in a legitimate accident. Yeah. I think the reason why I won three superlatives Most artistic, which is one they gave me, for obvious reasons. Um, Trendsetter. And driving hazard. Okay, wait, pause. You were allowed to have three superlatives at your high school? No, I wasn't. I was only allowed to have one. Oh, so
1: you got to pick which one you Yeah,
0: and so I think June Chung got driving hazard, but I think that was why. I don't know if he ever got into a car accident. I think that was just racism. But um, I... I wouldn't say I crashed my car at prom, but (laughs) I had the option of either hitting a Mercedes or the cement column, and I hit the cement column. and I'm sure your insurance was thrilled. Well, we didn't claim the insurance. It was like, (laughs) baby girl, we left that dent in the car. Like, we did not fucking care. (laughs) But I didn't get into our next topic until college because i wasn't sexually active until i was in college i was a i was a little baby oh
1: see our next topic car sex is actually quite relevant because in well to me insofar as because i grew up where i did in very rural were you on grinder as a teen no
0: okay how did you find these men
1: um, <laughs> well, this is please was, say like, Craigslist. Uh, yes. Um, but <laughs> also, which was like definitely how I had my like closest like skirts with like pedophiles legit. Um, but also this was like the heyday of Facebook. And so mm. where I grew up, what I found, like granted this, I'm speaking from anecdotal and very limited experience, but a lot of the sex I did have as a teenager, which was very like gay sex was, which was very little was like, Men who lived in these towns like anywhere between like 50 and 80 miles away from me like we had like a weird sort of assemblage of mutual friends on Facebook and they would just add me and message me and that probably happened like two or three times and like that was most of the sex that I had in high school. It was all very experimental and explorative but it was also all car sex because I would drive these like insane distances um, to meet these men and then like. Usually, they definitely couldn't host, or the whole idea was to pick them up in the car and like find some sort of abandoned parking lot or like back road, which in Florida is obviously very easy and have sex there um
0: I think that's what opens up to i my first car sex experience was actually with somebody my age. I was nineteen I was back home for Thanksgiving, so was he he went to an adjacent high school. Hot. Basketball players, super hot, so much fun. We're at a park. We're in the parked car. Neither of us can host. We're about to get hot and heavy. We're both in the nude. <laughs> We're in the back seat. We're making out. It's passionate. And he has, I guess, diabetes and has a diabetes monitor of some sort on his torso. And I accidentally kicked it off <laughs> somehow. Like, it's like taped or something. What, and what, it,
1: what did you do where you're
0: just like, I'm going to get a Snickers right now? Well, it like ripped <gasps> a little bit. And there was blood coming from the side of his torso oh my God, pouring the, you're in a backseat. It was an accident. It was an accident. Al- I didn't know it was there. <laughs> and my foot kicked. Ah! I don't know. And then <laughs> he kind of like, he had bandages, he had a backup, like he, clean the whole thing up whatever and he wanted to keep going and I was like I mean I guess <laughs> and then ghosted me a year later I have blonde hair he pretends not to recognize me and literally That's delicious we this is this is cute we we can't host we don't do car sex this time we go into the woods okay I bring a tarp we lay out the tarp. We have Not a blanket, the tarp, a tarp. A tarp. A plastic blue tarp. Disgusting. And after we... You're like we, one of those people who's like too into piss play. <laughs> I hate that. After we make love on the tarp. That's the verbiage we're going to use for fucking on a tarp. That's the absolute verbiage I'm going to... Because I honestly fell for this man so hard. Um... After he made love on the tarp, I literally was like, do you not recognize me? Because he pretended not to know me the entire time. <gasps> oh, Gaslight
1: gatekeep girl boss. I love that. That is insane, and you went through with it. Oh, I
0: absolutely went through with it. He was really hot, and it was—I was feeling the fantasy. I was like, "Oh my god, this college basketball player," and I'm just one of the girls getting it.
1: <laughs> I see. It's interesting that that happened to you at 19 because I really have this distinct recollection, which ties into something we have in our notes here of like. Car sex really losing its luster once I got to college because I found overwhelmingly car sex was really only happening with men who were like – Who
0: hate themselves. Yeah, because they're all – hate themselves. They
1: fucking hate themselves. They all hate themselves because they're all DL. And it's like they need to have – they want car sex. Because obviously they can't host. But also, like, them going to your place is like, there's too much permanence to a home. Like, they want to have sex in a car because then, like, the place itself where you had sex, right? Like, the, the car parked in the abandoned parking lot or in, like, the back alley of whatever. Like, that place itself ceases to exist after that interaction is had, right? So it's all these men who, like, simply can't bear the thought of
0: the fact that they're having gay sex, Queer sex. Or what's worse is something I experienced this one time where I was with a DL man and I was, we parked the tennis court right by the little Red Oaks Mill Park. <laughs> and the entire, this is I when I was like 19 or 20, God knows. And the entire time it was like I can't believe you're having sex with someone. He was hot. He was hot. Hold on. Let me, before I say this, he was attractive. He was very attractive man. At least in my opinion, I was very attracted to him. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I can't believe you're doing this with someone like me. Like I'm just like old and like unattractive. This man was in his late thirties and like, I like relatively muscular, like good, like, takes care of him it looks like he takes care of himself, I guess not emotionally, but <laughs> it was such a mess, and I was like, it turned me off so much that I was like, yeah, like I just don't think this is gonna work out for me, I just don't think this is gonna get me going like it should,
1: no, not at all, exactly Car sex is like invariably happening with people who are not evolved enough to like for sex to take place in a bedroom
0: would you give roadhead
1: well that's what i was gonna say like roadhead honestly like same conundrum like it's just really lost its luster with age like first of all receive having both received and given roadhead i can't receive roadhead because again horrible driver i just slam the gas like you are just asking for a hereditary moment when i'm getting roadhead like it is literally not okay um but like also like Giving roadhead then just like fills me with anxiety because I myself know that I would lose control of the car.
0: What about road eat my ass? Where is that? Can you imagine?
1: I'm picturing like a hole drilled into the seat and you're <gasps> rim actually, seat. Yeah, a rim seat. It's like an inverse glory hole, I guess, and you're actually tonguing me through the back from like you're in the back tonguing my whole while that sounds blissful that sounds incredible okay like so Mm, road head no but road ass eating love Obsessed. We're going to workshop that. I should make that a painting. painting Um, You should make that a painting and we should make that a product. Angel investors hit us up. Angel investors hit us up. Oh my God. (laughs) Who works
0: in BC? And I'm picturing like different decals for the seats, like a cheetah print rim seat for the the driving seat. I'm picturing like the hole being surrounded by like a ring of fire. (gasps) A ring of fire or like pink fur rhinestones. (laughs) Oh my God, let's get glam.
1: I will say, circling back a little bit, that the one instance where i think i told you this before that like where roadhead really does turn me on is when i'm in like a i am the sub and a dom sub dynamic and i'm hooking up with somebody who just like always exercises complete um and total control in the bedroom because like then when they're getting roadhead like they're the kind of person who's like driving like one hand like this the other on your head like making you suck their cock and like They're fucking cruising. Like, they have total control of the vehicle. They have total, like, awareness of what's going on. Like, you are simply, like, a utilizable, like, salivating accessory. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's hot. Like, when you can really, like, channel that dom sub energy into, like, the actual, like, mechanics of getting roadhead, it's, like, unbelievably sexy to me.
0: Now, see... (laughs) The avert, the, what's the word I'm thinking of? Inverse? Converse? The the, the converse, the the, the Chuck Taylor of that, (laughs) is this, because I've done that, I've experienced that, and it's like kind of fun, but at the same time, I'm worrying for my life, because I once heard this story, I don't remember how true it is, or where I heard it from, but it's been just... taking up free rent in the back of my mind for my entire life. <laughs> this guy was having an affair with his secretary and they were on the road, they were on the highway. She was giving him roadhead and he got into a car accident. He got into a car accident. She got lockjaw, bit his dick off, choked on the the, the bitten Severed dick and died. Teeth, but make it a road trip movie. Teeth, but make it a road trip movie. But so not only is this man cockless, ashamed, and bleeding out, his lover is now dead. And the last thing I want to do is actually choke on a dick and die. Like, that's the, I have way more pride than that. Way more pride.
1: I mean, at least her death was like (laughs) glorious, glorious, (laughs) glorious, glorious, and obviously mythologized. Like, I'm sorry, that didn't happen. Find me evidence that it did, and I'll absolutely believe it, but it sounds like a legend, which I'm honestly down for. Um, You're
0: down for that? I'm down for the story. I'm
1: not (laughs) down for it actually happening, but like, as a a, a cautionary tale for Roadhead, like, sure, give it to me. I will say all of these worries about Roadhead really do bring to light why faggots prefer fucking and sucking on public transit. Does it? I mean, insofar (laughs) as there's less immediately, immediate risk to your life, I mean, like, like, as in like your mortality yes obviously you could probably end up in prison as like has certainly been the issue for many people
0: so like um when it comes to cruising right in transit in public transit like we've all seen and or heard of gay well not gay everybody does it having sex on I'm getting crazy deja vu again um having sex on trains having sex on
1: planes (laughs) i think where does
0: it begin and where does it end well
1: i think so that's a good question i think the issue with this is that like people are we've talked about how like what is the line between like what is offensive and not in terms of cruising right because there are some like you could be like like there's this video that's gone viral on porn Twitter of this guy just like sucking this other dude's cock, incidentally a porn star's cock on a subway that other people are like on and like can't, are like they're aware of what's happening, right? It's this like insane like middle finger demonstration of exhibitionism. And like at first glance and ultimately like that's wrong, right? Like seeing so, like it's just like you're putting people in the position of like having to be uncomfortable and forced to at least, like, peripherally partake in your, like, sexual
0: interaction. I agree. And I think that, like, there's a line with public sex. Like, as someone, as both of us, I'm sure you have as well, Mm -hmm. we've both had our fair share of public sex. But where does, where is the line where you could potentially put people in emotional harm and danger? Right. Because people don't want to be exposed to, I mean, not, let's say not people in general, but, like, there are people out there who do not want to be exposed to anonymous genitalia. Like, that can be very triggering and upsetting to anyone. That being said... Yeah.
1: I think what is interesting about this question about cruising and where and when it's allowed to happen is that we have grown up or, like, at least sexually matured in an age where the internet and social media has effectively inoculated queer cruising and turned it into something that takes place... In these entirely covert, hermetically sealed online spaces, right? Grinder, Scruff, whatever else is out there, right? Like you go on there knowing that everyone else there is like actively seeking sex and is by some degree a queer person. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, 30, 40 plus years ago when like cruising was the effectively like the only option within social space of finding sex for queer men it demanded a degree of the risque and the problematic in order for that queer sex to even be realized right like you had to lock eyes with somebody across a room or across a spate a park and then find a space where you may potentially get caught but in order to realize and have your pleasure
0: and like there's a rich history of that in new york city like chelsea piers like that was one of the hottest public cruising places in the world in truly. Central
1: Park in the Ramblas, like there's, st- it's still popular. Oh, it's still
0: alive. Oh my it's god, happening. Eight AM. I'm at my friend's apartment on <laughs> Central Park West. I got a I got DM like and on Grinder. Meet me in the Rambles. I'm like, baby girl. It's oh, 8 is it a. Rambles? Pardon me for saying Rambla. Someone's thinking of Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, she's worldly. She's cosmopolitan. She's missing Europe. Um, no, I mean, I do think like there is this there is this potential risk of emotionally harming somebody but it also like harks back to what we were talking about last week with andrea long chu and desire where like desires are often conflicting and problematic and undesired like there are probably people who find something like unbelievably who find the like find exhibitionism and public sex unbelievably erotic and don't necessarily want to who are, are nonetheless anxious about being caught but That doesn't, like, delegitimize, like, their desire for that to happen. And I also think it's, like, still worth at least introducing the idea that the public, like, capital T, capital P, should work to undo conceptions of, like, what is and is not allowed in public space. Like, I remember when I moved to Buenos Aires, and we'll talk about international dick in a minute Mm -hmm. but like we will (laughs) but like one of the things that was truly shocking for me and like difficult to accommodate and like get accustomed to was the fact that pda was extremely popular like i on a daily basis was walking down the street and would see somebody just like A woman or a man, like pressed up against a wall, getting fucking finger banged. Like it's literally the same thing in Paris. Yeah, in Paris, it's just like there's this degree of sexual openness that is like at least permitted, often celebrated, and that like was at first really hard. But then there was this sort of undoing and unlearning that happened, and then I found it exhilarating and beautiful and amazing. And it's like I'm not necessarily asking that of everyone, and I don't necessarily think everybody needs to achieve that. Degree of like sexual self actualization. But I do think it is nonetheless worth talking about how we kind of overcorrect or like overstipulate on like what is and is not permissible vis a vis sex in public space. The Austin Wolf thing.
0: The Austin Wolf thing. How Austin Wolf was filming a little short scene with a flight attendant in a. airplane bathroom right like a little mile high club moment unfortunately the flight attendant got fired for that delta how dare you
1: homophobic homophobic honestly let him get his nut let him get his nut and also I'm sorry have you seen Austin Wolf like we all want to get plowed by him like
0: but at least for the
1: moment at least for the cloud like
0: another thing as far as like jet setting and public sex goes there was this one time where I held a night picnic with a bunch of friends in Paris. Mm-hmm. By, in between the Tuileries and the in the Louvre, there's this like hedge maze, and the, in between the hedge mazes, there are these stairs, and people go down the stairs, pardon me, um, people go down the stairs to fuck. And none of my straight friends believe me, they didn't believe that it was the most popular cruising site in Paris, one of and we go there we find this little empty bottle of poppers i'm like do you not believe me now and i look over and from the hedge maze, there are seven counted seven men walking in a line out of the hedge maze with their heads down hands in pockets full of shame and it's just like <laughs> how does shame play a role in public sex how does it play a role like is it inappropriate of me as a younger self to have brought cishet women into that queer cruising space mm-hmm. because cruising spaces, like if I, let's, let's bring this back to the 80s. Like if, if I had brought cishet women to Chelsea Piers, like that would have been a catastrophe.
1: Okay. But here's the thing. It's a, this, and this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem of the framing. It's a catastrophe for the queer people, not the straight women. Absolutely. Right. Like, absolutely. The problem right now is like, the way we conceive of like public sex is that it's a catastrophe for the people who have to witness it or who have to be exposed to it. When in reality, it's a catastrophe for the queer people who have to do it because it just signals that they don't have private spaces in which they can like adequately and like, like in which they can adequately partake in sexual activity in a way that feels fulfilling and exciting and like intimate. And I mean,
0: That's what cruising was born out of, right? Was like Exactly that exact lack of space. It's born out of spaces for queer people that didn't have access to spaces or didn't have like a lot of those queer people were like living at home. They were poor. They didn't have the money. They didn't were able to afford like these glamorous lifestyles that some queer people let alone
1: their friends and family are obviously gonna ostracize them should they be found
0: having sex in their home. Exactly. So there's cruising is such a complicated topic. Right. There's so much rich history and so much importance to it like I know like this is something I discussed with my I have an uncle who is gay who is an HIV survivor from the 80s most of his friends have passed away in fact recently another one of his friends has just passed Damn. and those cruising spaces were part of the culture like those those places were part of the being mm-hmm. I think yeah and this is one of the things about
1: queerness today, it really is one of the things about queerness today that I think more queer people need to be interrogating, is as we become increasingly assimilated into mainstream society and have places that are designated for the seeking and finding of queer sex, like Grindr, um, cruising and anything cruising adjacent becomes less permissible, right? When in reality, the whole aim of our assimilation should not be such that we look and participate in sex and sexuality in a way that's more heterosexual, but that our deviance be accepted and let to happen. Deviance in the mo- like most loosely defined
0: and term. Speaking to that, I remember a wonderful teacher once told me back in college about how cruising, in the sense, regardless of whether it be in transit in a public space, et cetera, was an open-minded practice. Mm-hmm. It was like you were taking on what's available. You were experimenting. You were engaging in new things. You were engaging in new people. You were listening. You were acting. It was it was this wonderful discourse where people could interact with each other in a very how do I put it? In a very like holistic, open-minded and celebratory way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Digitally, it's so curated. Yeah. It's
1: the, semi- not- the semiotics of being gay are kind of like lost online to just like shirtless torsos.
0: Shirtless torsos, policing to everyone thinks they know what they want.
1: Typologizing, right? Typologizing, we all have to be an exactly. otter or a top or a bottom or a. Bear. And
0: also like the intense racial segregation that we see. Mm hmm. Like, no one's being open-minded. No one's being... No one's willing to engage in things that they previously haven't engaged Right, it's like with. on
1: Grinder. If you have Grindr Pro, you can literally set, like, a height requirement.
0: Like, you're literally not you can, even... If you ex- have Grindr a- Pro, you can set an ethnic requirement. Yeah, which,
1: okay, we sh- we're not even going to touch on that. But it's like, you can literally exclude, like, the possibility of having a sexual interaction with somebody like that, which within the world of organic real life IRL cruising was like fundamentally impossible mm-hmm. to i think our community's benefit so cruising um you know worthy of discussion worthy of problematizing gay cruises absolute awesome. fucking nightmare no i mean okay neither of us have been on a gay cruise i'm sorry being trapped on a literal boat in international waters with no cell reception with a bunch of faggots has to be bad.
0: I also disagree. I also agree. I was (laughs) going to say disagree. Oh my God. I also agree. That does sound like my literal hell, but some people that's what they want. I will say, I do think some of my, my fervor
1: or behind like my, like how much I loathe the idea of that is that I have become, especially in the pandemic, but also just have been in general really bad about meeting men IRL and the whole thing about a gay cruise that I do find very intimidating and in some ways hellish is like all interaction is precipitated through like meeting someone in person and like approaching them.
0: Mm -hmm. And like
1: my experience with that, especially in the last year as I'm sure everybody can relate to is extremely
0: limited. And This is obviously a much greater conversation, but I absolutely want to touch upon it because I also have those anxieties as someone who is relatively newly trans, as someone who is relatively newly open to the idea of being trans, who is dating... I'm currently dating a gay man. I have mostly dated gay men. I have had a foray in dating straight men, which has been awful and difficult for a lot of us um i think being in spaces presenting as a man trying to interact with other gay men because you know like going to a gay bar a gay bar not like a queer bar in like bushwick no i'm talking about like hell's kitchen fag bar where Although, just, like, I'm sorry,
1: a lot of these ostensibly queer bars in Brooklyn, like, just need to rebrand as a gay bar because it's, like, honestly offensive.
0: It is. It I was at, it
1: like, bar that's not to be named very close to your house the other day. And, you know, like, queer space, like, and it was, I, there were probably 600 people there. And it was, was, I'm sorry, it was 98% like cis gay men. I interacted with a single lesbian that did happen. And like one person who I identified as non-binary. But like, not only did I recognize a lot of people from like having met them in real life, but also from having seen them peripherally or directly online. And I'm like, I know you're... I know you're a cis gay man and
0: like so I've like- been to that bar and it's upsetting because they they do advertise themselves as a queer sanctuary but mm-hmm. as a queer person going to that bar in full femme, I felt like all eyes on me like yeah. gay men you know how gay men love to police women's bodies well mm-hmm. they will certainly do it for trans women too god Definitely. wow don't I feel equal um <laughs> Is my, is, my, is my hair done? Is my makeup okay? Like, is my outfit? Like, right. it's just are like... You, are you convincing? Are you passing? Am I passing? Which I'm not, but that's fine. Right. There should be nothing wrong with that. There and shouldn't I, be. And I feel like a lot of people take offense to that.
1: And the irony is, like, so many of those people, those gay men in those spaces are the first to get on Twitter and post things like, no time for not nice gays this summer. And I'm like, bitch, like, you are the not nice gay. Anyway, we're getting distracted. One back at the I, ranch. Back at the ranch.
0: How far are you willing to travel for cock? The farthest I have consciously traveled. Consciously? (laughs) Consciously traveled for cock.
1: Are you suggesting that you've subconsciously traveled farther for cock? Or unconsciously traveled farther for cock? Falls asleep on a train. Moving to
0: Paris was unconsciously traveling for cock. Subconsciously. You were not out. (laughs) I was, oh, baby girl, was I out during that flight? It's called Xanax. I was passed the fuck out. (laughs) Fair, 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 fair. fair. Um, Consciously have traveled for cock was about an hour. I drove an hour to bumfuck Woodstock, New York, to get dicked down by probably the most, I say this not to boast because I feel like a lot of, in a lot of, like, queer, mostly gay male conversations, like, the word masculine is used as a prize. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean it like this. I mean this in strictly a descriptive way. Right. Because this man was in full head-to-toe on ironic Carhartt. And he brought me to his lumberyard. Okay. This is getting hot. And he, in the wood shop of the lumberyard... In the office, he put down a foam mat and a tarp, which (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it, is I guess a theme for my sex life. A bad one. A bad one. (laughs) And we had incredible sex. And then at the end of it, I had my nails done. I I looked like a boy, but I had my nails done. And I asked him, because he kept looking at my nails, I was like, does this bother you? And he went... (sighs) yes it really does the next time I see you I don't want you to have nail polish on next time and I was like baby girl there will not be a next time what do you mean that is unbelievable so was it worth the hour drive there and back kind of
1: (laughs) kind of (laughs) well what's your gas mileage don't answer
0: that. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> asking me a I get how my gas mileage is? No. I mean,
1: for me, that would totally determine if it was worth it or not. Um, I mean, again, harking back to the fact that, like, I grew up in really rural Florida. Like, driving an hour ain't no thing for dick. Like, I was doing it all the time. I've probably driven somewhere between five or six hours for cock um, growing up, like, living in Florida. Yeah, get my ass to Miami or Atlanta, and I could have gotten my twink ass Pounded by some serious Six rough trade. hours. I mean, I was doing that all the time as a kid for things outside of sex too. I want when I wanted to go to concerts in Atlanta or Miami, mom, dad, I really hope you're not listening. Like, I would fully lie to my parents that I was sleeping over at a friend's. Like, drive to those cities.
0: Wow. And then like, I like, never liked my parents. <laughs> I was never doing anything.
1: <laughs> well. That's the difference between you and me. Yeah, wow. Oh, my you God. You dream about
0: things, and I do them. My sister once drove, like, nine <laughs> hours to Maine to meet a girl she met online. No, I, don't I mean, again, it went well. I, I totally get that. It usually doesn't. Um, but, I mean, I
1: also had the same experience. Like, moving to Buenos Aires was definitely, like, a subconscious sort of, like, I'd heard a lot about Argentina. I'd heard a lot about Argentine men and, like granted it all proved to be true like fuck Paris sorry but like Buenos Aires is the city of love like I have Mm -hmm. never seen like or been faced with such palpable sexual energy as I was in that city and it was absolutely like one of the reasons I moved there um I mean I think honestly like if we're being really transparent like as a queer person like the decision to move anywhere is like deeply and intimately informed by the ideas of like what kind of sex life I think I'll have there. And I'm like, not really ashamed of that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not willing to move to Cleveland, not only because it's horrible for a lot of reasons, but because it's obviously horrible as a place to like find gay sex.
0: Living in Pittsburgh for me (laughs) was extremely difficult and rewarding because at one hand, on one hand, when I we went back to Pittsburgh to finish my degree, I wasn't really fucking anyone because there was no one for me to fuck. So I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have to deal with the objectivity of the male gaze. I could fully dive into my feminine transness and explore that, explore what my womanhood meant to me because I wasn't like trying to cater to gay men so that I could have sex. hmm and so that was the positive. The downside was I was having a lot less sex and I was like dating straight men and straight men were awful. And especially like straight men dating trans women. It's just like, that's who we date. Yeah. And like, let me tell you, it's not easy. And I feel I I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely
1: get it. I mean, I think, yeah, like major caveat to what I was saying, the benefit of living in smaller cities as queer people is there's still these vestiges of, like, queer communities that are really, like, tight-knit and, like, familial and, like, like, when I lived in Philadelphia or, like, when my parents lived in Pittsburgh and I would visit, I had a great time being a gay person there because, yeah, yes, was sex harder to find and it was ultimately more frustrating, absolutely, but, like, when I did have sex with people where it was, like, good and I really enjoyed myself, there was, like, a far higher chance of seeing them again and developing like a long-standing relationship with them because we have talked about this like this is sort of like the telltale like it borders on cliche like issue with New York is like everybody's always looking for the next best thing so you like might connect with somebody but there's a hundred thousand other people that you could probably almost immediately connect with in the next 24 hours so it's like why bother why bother whereas like when you live in a smaller city that's like absolutely Just both statistically, but also emotionally and psychologically speaking, not possible. And
0: that's been difficult about when I was, when I took time to attempt dating as a trans woman in New York City, like when I really tried to, like, it was awful because first of all, everyone treated me, everyone treated me like I was a sex worker. Mm -hmm. And like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of sex worker friends. It's just like, that's just not what I, that's just not who I am. I'm not, I'm not. And it's it's not fair to trans women to immediately assume and treat them like this right and like i feel for all all the dolls who are going through this all the dolls all dolls it's miserable <laughs> And like that's kind of why I took like a, a pause in like dating for a long time was because I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. Right. Like grinder as a gay man is one thing, but grinder as a trans woman is a whole other experience that people yeah. don't know about and people don't talk about enough. It's way more, in my opinion, it's way more difficult. It's way more sexualized. It's way more dehumanizing. I have truly no and doubt. And I, I, I've only really tried it like in new york and like upstate in my parents place but like i've never really tried it i've tried it a little bit in pittsburgh and it's kind of the same thing but might be yeah. worth trying once you're uh overseas once i'm overseas I
1: mean, i'm gonna give it a i shot. will say the irony of of europe and europeans is kind of harking back to or yeah um what you were saying about like all these men sort of slinking out of this like obvious cruising spot like looking ashamed Is like there is more of this like there's like I do think in Europe writ large there's like a more robust queer culture of like cruising and like being a queer person in public space yet it's ironically accompanied by this like shame and this like hiding right it's like I'm sorry like but like queer Berliners are wearing are not wearing all black because it's sleek they're wearing all black because they're afraid to look like a
0: fucking faggot like period I don't know if that's true but roll with it I
1: mean I I think like it is very interesting that I say that's more true for New York. Okay. Well, okay. True. But that's because there's not like a fashion. There's not like this, like stop. There's not a style in New York. There's not like a, of like, wit- like looking like, like, I'm sorry. It, American queer fashion is very like maximalist and very, like we wear like a lot of colors and we wear glitter and rainbows and we like go to pride and stuff. And like, that's app like, like, French like soborn gay culture is all just like clad in black, like very sort of like not presenting your emotions or your style is just very like subdued. Do you not agree with that?
0: I think queer fa- I think queer fashion is so diverse. I think in I guess I see what you're saying in a generalized sense. But I feel like in New York City and in like these big metropolises, I don't think that's necessarily the truth. I think Berlin, as far as fashion-wise goes, especially queer fashion, is so diverse and so... Imagine Bushwick did a fat Calvin Klein line.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm that's seeing what that. That's Berlin but like, fashion is no, like.
1: Th- th- preface, Berlin's fashion is phenomenal. It's like incredibly sophisticated. The the queer fashion in Berlin is incredibly sophisticated. It's in, in, incredibly thought out, like much more so than New York's. But I also think it's incredibly homogenous and really subdued, and I think that is intimately and sincerely tied to this desire to make queerness sort of secondary to your personality in a way that Americans for better or worse, like definitely don't do right like i'm sorry we all know the corporate faggot who works in diversity equity inclusion where his whole thing is being a faggot absolutely um we had some other stuff in here but maybe
0: honestly i wouldn't mind oh the last thing i do want to talk about yeah the last thing i do want to talk about is traveling while femme traveling while femme hit me with it and i think this is something that a lot of the dolls will agree with me on is just like As someone who's not cis-passing, it is extremely dangerous and difficult for me to travel. And, like, you've seen that with, like, Gigi Gorgeous getting detained and having to go to Sweden. Like, luckily, she had the privilege and the time and the money to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. In fact, this amazing trans woman who I follow, um, Lauren, I'm going to butcher her last name. I'll drop it in the We love Lauren. We We love love Lauren. Lauren. Canadian trans icon, obsessed with her, obsessed with her whole vibe. She made, She dropped a travel guide on how to travel while trans because it is difficult. And, like, I think the one thing I want to say for our listeners, if we have any listeners out there who are trans, <laughs> trans, if, trans we fem, minutes, if we have any listeners, If we have any listeners, period. <laughs> any femme listeners in general, travel with a buddy. Like, that's just the safest way to travel when you're a trans person because it's the only way that really, like can guarantee you some sort of protection because like I know like I like it took me like two or three years before I could get on public transit alone feminine presenting I remember oh the first time the first time I was on public transit alone like as like just being my full femme queer self was 2019 and I was on shrooms yikes i'm sorry and what the shrooms gave me the confidence to take the bus in pittsburgh i'm sorry forget
1: like forget your chances for like a hot second (laughs) like being on a bus while tripping sounds like not only like a nightmare psychologically but for like my inner ear like i would get like i would lose my balance i would absolutely vomit all over the place
0: riding a bus like while fucking oh i was on top of the world i'm like i'm the hottest person on this bus like By far. And I... Oh, God. It was incredible. And that
1: is simply so indicative of the differences... Of the difference between Jeep and I. But (laughs) I
0: have been... I have been followed. I have been harassed. I haven't been attacked yet while traveling. Yet. Yet. I don't put it past anything because it absolutely can happen. I, My biggest fear is, like... I've been cat called dozens of times as I'm walking somewhere. Like if I'm walking in a skirt or a dress or whatever, men obviously take it upon themselves to make a comment. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing more terrifying than when a man cat calls me and then all of a sudden you hear, wait a minute, is that a dude? Nothing is scarier than that because nothing is scarier yeah. than fragile masculinity. Mm-hmm. And like it just – it's terrifying. So travel – cruise all of that consciously be safe cruise try, with a buddy cruise, cruise, with the cruise with a buddy cruise buddy, buddy, the buddy. System. and try to be conscious of your surroundings because like whether or not you're traveling or cruising you don't want to put yourself in danger and you don't want to put someone else in danger true well on that uncharacteristically
1: sober note <laughs> um we are going to sign off i'm reese and i'm G, and this has been mind the Gape. thanks for joining us today guys Bye, everyone. TTYS.